Welcome to Trailer Park, the podcast trailer podcast. My name's Ariel Nissenblatt. Today on the show, we have a special bonus episode. Tim and I have been chilling between seasons. We've got a bunch of content coming up for you in the next few months. We have over 200 submissions of trailers to sort through, and we promise those will be coming back soon. We want to thank you all so much for an amazing season one. Part of the reason season one was so great was because we worked with some amazing sponsors. And one of those sponsors is here with us today. And it is Dan Hughley from Focusrite. And in a minute, we're going to chat with Dan Hughley from Focusrite all about Focusrite and the Vocaster. And if you've been listening to the show for a while, you'll know that the Vocaster is a word that we mentioned a whole bunch. And maybe you know a little bit about it. Maybe you don't know that much about it. But today we're deep diving on audio interfaces and why you need one. And we're going to talk with him in a second. But first, Tim, how the heck are you? It's been a minute. It's been a minute. And, you know, you said that we were chilling, but I have not been chilling, oh. Ariel. I've been, been very, very, yeah, roasting, roasting and baking. I have much more content for other other projects. Ah, good teaser. <laughs> good teaser. Well, yeah, I think we're going to have a bunch of bonus content. It was a really great first season. I've been reflecting on it a lot. I'm really grateful. We had more than 11,000 downloads in one season. So the sky it, is the limit, I think. it was It was legit awesome. Yeah. Legit. And, and, t- and tons of great feedback from everybody. Yeah. Let's get into our conversation today. We've got Dan Hughley. Dan, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm swell. So, Dan, where are you coming to us from today? I am coming to you from Southeast Montana. I love that. I do too. You're a mountain guy. It's funny. We're in the plains here. I, oh, I, never mind. I, I moved to Montana <laughs> thinking the whole state was mountains and then off the internet bought a house that's in the plains. No way. <laughs> but I love that so much. Like 45 minutes from the mountains. Dan, how long have you been at Focusrite? A while. Yeah. Coming up on seven years. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And you were interested in music first. Is that right? Absolutely. Yes. I thought I was going to be a rock and roll producer uh, and a mix engineer about 12 years ago when I went to music school. But then first job was great. I worked for a Grammy winning musician, thought, you know, I had this huge ego about me and my music production skills. But then realized no one wanted to pay anybody, um, including that Grammy winning artist who paid me $8 an hour. Oh, um, and there was no that. room for advancement there. So, yeah, I made a shift over to the marketing side of things that that tracks. Dan, I think the path from musician to podcaster is a short one because that's <laughs> that that is also my experience. <laughs> it's It's not a long path. Music is still my passion. I'm working on some music right now. My studio is kind of a mess. I have two different interfaces on my desk, one for music, one for podcasting. It's What's uh, the difference between a music interface and a podcast interface? I, so I'm using our Claret Plus, which is a really high end interface. It has um, converters that are better for music production. They're more pristine, more precise. There's more dynamic range um, than you need just for podcasting for spoken word. And the mic pre's are just a little bit better on the Claret Plus, but Day to day, I use my vocaster for everything, including all my calls, because it just I'm not even trying to pitch this. Um, <laughs> I'm saying this as somebody that sits in front of Zoom for, you know, nine hours a day. I love it because I can adjust my gain without like even thinking about it, without without being an engineer. I can shut that part of my brain off for a little while. Um, and I also love that my team and I, we play like a game every few days during one of our calls. And to be able to like easily loop the sound back in. To Zoom is, is incredible. Or Squadcast. I, I was just thinking right. I should probably say I, I use Squadcast, but uh, <laughs> well, you use Squadcast to record. I but do. We understand. I do that when you're having meetings, Zoom Zoom might be preferred. It is. Yeah. Fine. 
fine. Sorry. I can I, take it. I, I, you know, you know, I've been a big fan of Squadcast from the beginning. I yes, I appreciate that. And IU. Well, oh, thank you. I want to go back to basics. What is an interface and why does a podcast need one? That's a great question. To boil it all down, an interface is simply a device that will make your microphone loud enough so that the converters can convert the analog signal to digital so your computer can recognize it. That's really at the basic what an interface does. And it doesn't matter if you're using a USB mic or an audio interface. They're both technically audio interfaces because they have those components in them. They interface with audio. Exactly. Well, I know that Focusrite has, it started out as a music focus company, oh, yeah. but has shipped, no, it hasn't shifted. It's still very much music focused, but there are now podcast specific products. Mm -hmm. How did you come up with the idea for the Vocaster? It was you, right? Yeah, we broadened our horizon. So yeah, we're at our heart. We are a music company. Um, but yes, Vocaster was something I very, very, very much fought for because I saw the pain points. Our Scarlet interface was widely used by podcasters already. Yeah. But it's a music interface, so it has things that podcasters don't need and they're paying for. Um, and then on the other hand, it doesn't really have enough gain to power the most popular mics that are out there, like the SM7B or the um, RE20 dynamic mics. They need, or like you're using, Tim, the pod mic, it needs a lot of gain. Um, so that's, most interfaces don't have enough gain for that. So that was one of the big pain points. Just get rid of the gain booster in the middle there was one of the things that I just had to make happen. But I just saw the needs of podcasters and just hammered it with our product team. And then finally with our CFO and CEO, I got stuck between them in a conversation. Uh, and then the next morning we went into pre-production on the unit. How long ago was that, Dan? Wow, that was like four years ago, four and a half years ago. It takes a long That's time. A and we also had a pandemic in there, which caused all kinds of chaos for everything. So would have come to market a bit quicker if it wasn't for, you know, factory shutdowns and comp component shortages. Wow. I deal mostly in software. So yeah. hearing from the hardware side of things is fascinating. You're so right that, you know, when you're dealing with software, you don't have to deal with um, with the Suez Canal crisis. No, but. <laughs> no, there was. A, it, it's funny because most of audio gets their uh, converter chips from one factory and that factory burned down in, Whoa. in 2020. Where was that? Uh, Japan. Whoa. Yeah, that burned down in 2020, like just after the pandemic started. So oh it was like <laughs> kept getting hammering and that hammered on that kind of stuff and then just had to rearrange the circuits. But onward and upward, things are looking bright. What I really appreciate about you as the podcast person at Focusrite is I, I really feel like you're fighting the good fight for us spoken word people because there are so many music people that are really advocating for music at Focus, yeah. right? But you are boots on the ground podcast representative. And I think that's really cool. Tell us what was the biggest hurdle? What did you feel like you really had to advocate for when it came to making this come to life, making the vocaster come to life? You know, it, it it was just getting the the right information in front of the right people. And and it was funny. I didn't want to get into podcasting in the beginning. My boss just kind of made me start working with podcasters. Did not want to do it. And Why? The, I, you know what, it was laziness, to be honest. <laughs> uh, I was at the NAB show and it was the first time they had a podcast pavilion. And um, my manager wanted me to go to the podcast pavilion and look for somebody in particular that was a guest that was a speaker on one of the panels. Uh, I went down and found that person, but it was like three halls over and the Vegas Convention Center is massive. Huge. And my feet, I'm wearing dress <laughs> shoes. And I, I was just like, after three days to have to like walk all the way over there and go find someone you've never met before. I'm also kind of socially awkward when it comes to these things. And it didn't help that as soon as I got there, the person like completely blew me off. Uh, that's why I'm not naming this person. 
uh, <laughs> and was kind of like a jerk to me. And I was like, oh, podcasters. But then I met someone else who was like, oh, yeah, I teach podcasting at a university and I recommend your Scarlet to everybody. And this is obviously pre-Vocaster days. That's really where I get into it. But I think the biggest hurdle I had to overcome was getting the pure raw data of how many podcasts there were. If you think back to end of 2019, 2020, we were just hitting that 2 million mark for uh, for the number of shows. And it's, you know, since amplified quite a bit, but just getting those sheer numbers in front of our people who are the decision makers in the company was the biggest hurdle. And it happened the last day that I was going to try to do it. I was like all but given up on it and just going to focus back on music again. And it was the end of a convention. I think it was the AES convention in New York. And it, it almost sounds like a joke. Like I was sitting between our CFO and CEO and they were just ping ponging questions off me. And we'd all had a couple of beers at that point, but I had the numbers in my head and I was able to just rattle them off. Like, and, and then the next morning I got a call from product uh, talking about getting started on this thing. I want to shift to brand partnerships. You have always been such an advocate for working with podcast related companies to spread the word about focus rights products that are perfect for podcasters. How do you approach brand partnerships? And I bring this up because you were so down to work with us on Trailer Park, the podcast trailer podcast. Yeah. So what's your thinking there? Sure. In the podcast space, I kind of want to work with everybody, but um, you have to be smart about it. And the reason I jumped at, at the chance to work with you um, was because, I mean, I've seen your shows in the past and heard your shows in the past. Trailer Park podcast, it just resonated with me because I was like, podcasters are going to want to learn from you and you are going to spread the word to podcasters. So this isn't your typical podcast about podcasting, but you definitely attract a podcast audience. That's really who I want to work with is people who attract an audience of podcasters. You know, there's a lot of, let's say, music production podcasts, but sometimes those are just like people who are fans of bands. They're not people who are musicians themselves. So, you know, how many people are going to buy a Scarlet from that? Um, you know, thinking purely selfishly of trying to sell things, your audience is people who likely want to at least learn about our product. And it probably didn't hurt that we did a contest to give one away for every yeah. episode. I know for uh, a fact that somebody who listened actually bought a vocaster because they knew that Focusrite was sponsoring our podcast. So they didn't want to like chance not getting it. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so, Let's explain the contest really quick, just in case folks are jumping in for this bonus episode and only this bonus episode, which thank you. But anyway, what was the contest? What, what did you propose, Dan? Sure. It was just a simple, you put a link in your show notes and every episode had a unique link and folks just went there, signed up and we gave away eight vocasters throughout the season. It was every one of them was a podcaster um, and they all had unique stories. And I have to share some gratitude for podcasters, just how excited they get to win things. On the musician side, I've had people just like, I, I send basically the same congratulations email. I try to be excited in it, try to sound like I'm excited about it because I am. I like giving things away, especially when they're not mine. But uh, podcasters are just so happy to hear from you when they've won something. On the musician side, I wrote to a guy once, and it was like a seven or $8,000 prize package that he won. It was like guitar, amp, all kinds of software. Um, it was a big contest that we did. And he just replied, I am the winner and put his, <laughs> his name, address, phone number. And he said, please send tracking. And I was like, Are you, what the hell? Yeah, there was like no excitement or anything. And then like every, jaded musicians. Wow. Yeah, then like every day was asking me for tracking and, you know, asking me to track it for him. I'm like, you're just going to put this on eBay or reverb or something. And oh, yeah, but with unfortunate, I, yeah, I don't get that with podcasters. So no. that's, that's why 
one of the many reasons I enjoy working with podcasters. So you were skeptical at first at the NAB show to work with podcasters and now yeah. 180. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Podcasters are my favorite people to work with. (laughs) And I go to as many events as I can. I try to speak at as many events as I can. And, you know, part of that event uh, situation is how I met the folks at Squadcast and how Squadcast is bundled with Vocaster is I met uh, I think I met Rock and Zach on a, um, they gave me a demo. I met them on Facebook. They gave me a demo and I I was sold, met them in person. It was just like, oh yeah, I like, I like these guys in America. Yeah. I always loved their vision. I loved their roadmap and just really cool guys. So it was almost a no brainer to include them with Vocaster. I really appreciate your approach when it comes to partnerships. That's what makes you a great marketer. I really believe that. I would like to look towards the future. Yeah. What are your goals for the Vocaster in the long term? What does widespread adoption look like and what benefit would that have for the overall podcast industry? Yeah. As a very selfish person, I want everyone to have a Vocaster, including both of you, which you should. I sent them both to you. We do. We yes. do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ariel, Ariel, I think you might have a couple. I think I need to get one back. I have one. Still. Okay. But it is the initial. You have a pre-production. I, I never sent it back to you. The one that you let me try out. But I like it. Yeah. Well, that's a pre-production <laughs> unit. And feels OG. Uh, it is. I, I don't even have one of those. Um, <laughs> those are all hidden away in the in the storage now. Uh, yeah, I talked to actually the product owner for it today. Uh, there are some some small developments coming. Uh, there were some firmware updates, which were really, really great. So like the ability to adjust the enhanced feature so you can change your EQ, you can change your compression. For some reason, dark mode was something that just blew my mind. I'm so excited that Vocaster Hub is now compatible with dark mode just to rest my eyes a bit. I would just look to more fun things with Vocaster and trying to spread them around more contests and uh, just getting those out there. We want to remove the barriers to creativity. That's our our mission as a company. And I believe we've done that with this. So you don't have to think about it. Like as an audio engineer, I appreciate the auto gain feature. So I don't have to set my gain level every day. Of course, I have a degree in audio engineering and I don't want to set my game level. It sounds so lazy. And also, I would think some of the uh, innovations that made its way into Vocaster, I would look for that in other products in the future as well. So, uh, yeah, without any spoilers, I guess that was a spoiler. No spoilers. No spoilers. <laughs> I want to go back to what you said about pitching this idea finally. And it just reminded me that, you know, as a podcaster, as a creative person, we all have those ideas that we want to fulfill right we want to create things and sometimes it's really just about asking again Mm -hmm. and again and again and again even when you are you want to give up so i really appreciate you mentioning that just constantly ask for for what you want and i and i felt like i was on the side of podcasters for that it was at the point of almost giving up because i felt like i was kind of hammering that point for a year and then i was like you know i i I have to i have to refocus myself and, and move on but i'm glad i didn't I'm glad I made it one more day. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Focus Right. Thank you to the Vocaster for being so willing to partner with us for season one of Trailer Park, the podcast trailer podcast. Shout out to the eight people, the eight trailer parkers who won a Vocaster. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to see pictures of you with your Vocaster. So if you are one of the winners, please do take a picture and then share it with us. We're on Instagram at trailerpark underscore podcast. You can also email us. We're at hello at trailerparkpod.com. Dan, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. Thanks, <laughs> Dan. 
Listeners, thank you so much for tuning into this bonus episode. We're back soon with more fun in between seasons content. And we'll be back later this year with more trailer content. Shout out to all of our season one sponsors, OSHA, AugX Labs, Recast, Capshow, and of course, Focusrite's Vocaster. Tim, thank you for joining me for this bonus episode. It was my pleasure, Ariel. 